Welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any calls you may have. You give us a call, we'll try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And you can reach us from the website if you happen to miss That's your opportunity right. today. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button and fill out the form and couldn't be any easier than that. That's right. Super easy and even easier than that. Just pick up the phone and dial 291 There you and go. that'll get you to us right now. Of course, 225 is the area code here in Baton Rouge. If you happen to be outside of our calling area. Yeah, local area, I yeah. guess you'd say. <laughs> and uh, I notice a lot of our listeners are outside of the right. local area, but we have quite a few in Baton Rouge as well. So, yeah, give us a call. We're going to try to help you out and give us some good direction to the show there you go you know other than that we normally have some type of a subject or subjects that kind of keeps us on track of course you're never restricted to that you can not at all any question you may have and this week we had a number of people who emailed with different suggestions which sure. i really appreciate that and i thought first off craig from sacramento california wrote an email and he was asking about you watch a lot of these television commercials car companies and stuff and they'll show these four-wheel drive trucks just trouncing through water and all in the mud in the mud and up the hills and all kinds of foolishness such as floorboard deep in the creek right yeah right and of course his question was what kind of extra maintenance does it require for extreme service like that Mm -hmm. and really and truly if you operated your vehicle the way they show on these commercials right they're gonna avoid your warranty sure as soon as they as soon as you roll in they when, see what you've done to it yeah, and that's not that is their option and i guess in whatever there is just no way that they build vehicles they don't build vehicles to those standards no there are vehicles maybe your hummer one your h1 well, that was a military design a military design vehicle it cost ninety thousand bucks you know, but it was designed for it was, it was designed, designed to go through high high water it had a double sealed hub on it and the axle came in at the top of the hub and was driven by a big gear right so none of that was down close to the water level everything on it was sealed all the transmission all the, and all that was vented up real high where the, water the air intake was high on it all the electronics were, mm-hmm. were high but i mean i've seen them underwater to the windows almost yeah and they actually have the high water vehicles sure. that the military uses and again it's designed for, for that, that type purpose. of operation but if you've got an F-150, FX4 four-wheel drive, or a Z-71 Chevrolet, not so much. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that is basically just a standard vehicle. Sure. Two-wheel drive vehicle with some extra stuff thrown on there to make all four wheels pull. But when it comes to venting and sealing and all that. That's it, the standard seals that, that are on a two-wheel drive. Well, I say a two-wheel drive, right. that type of vehicle. Yeah, yeah. It, it's no extra stuff in there that's going to prevent water from getting past these seals. And I can tell you, if you operate it the way they show in those commercials, you're going to probably be putting a set of wheel bearings on it pretty quick. Sure. Very likely going to be putting a transmission in it for long and a rear differential. <laughs> yeah. And we get them in all the time at relatively low miles, and sometimes they're coming from the dealership because they thought this was under warranty. They pull the rear cover off the differential, which it's is screaming. It's full of water. And it's got water in it, and it's the gears are rusted. And the dealerships tell them, no, you got water in it, Mm -hmm. not covered. And people don't understand, but I don't know. I guess if you're going to show that kind of use on your commercials, maybe you ought to sort of be liable for it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Just not the way that it 
like like that new Mustang that comes sliding around the curve. You oh know? yeah, yeah. As soon as they see all the rubber on the back fender, they're gonna say, "Hey, you know, this is it. Yeah, you're abusing you're the done. car. You're well, and it. they don't even have to do that because they've got computers on it that track a lot of this sure. data, and they can go up and pull up a lot of information, and tell you how you've been using the car, what the highest RPM is, and all that sort all of all the thing. all rate sensors yeah. and the G sensors and all that. Yeah, they mm-hmm. can they can pull all that information Pretty out. Pretty much tell you how a car's been operated, and so I guess to kind of answer the question. If you decide you're going to do that, there's not a whole lot you can be able to do because the wheel bearings on 99% of the vehicles now are sealed. Correct. And they're not the old $20 wheel bearings with a seal and all that like you had in the past. Some of them are $300. That's right. It's a hub assembly for the most part on all four wheels. Some of them are even more than that because it takes like some of your Toyota products, that rear axle hub assembly, that may be eight, nine hundred bucks per side. Right. And if water gets in it, it's not a matter of if it will fail. It's when. It's a matter of when it's going to fail. And it's not going to generally be immediately. It's not going to start doing that day or even that week. But probably within three to six months, sure. you can start hearing noise, and it's going to be water that got in that wheel bearing. It takes a little while to emulsify the grease. Once it emulsifies the grease, the water starts to attack the metal in the bearing, and then it fails. And because you cannot dissemble it to get in there and clean it, or put or any grease it. in it or repack it or anything else. It's just going to be a matter of taking it off, throwing it away, and getting a new one. And exactly. It on there. And, you know, we, we seem to see that after a big, heavy rainstorm that kind of floods the roads. Mm-hmm. About about four to six months later, mm-hmm. we start seeing a rash of wheel, bad wheel bearings come in. Mm-hmm. And, of course, transmissions are basically the same thing. Everything that is rotating on your car has to be lubricated. Mm-hmm. It has, it has to, to be vented. Some type of a lubricant in it. Lubricant is generally going to be a petroleum-based product of some sort, be it oil or grease or whatever. And when you start to churn gears through a petroleum-based lubricant, it's going to produce pressure. Mm -hmm. And that pressure has to be vented off. And generally, they will put the vent up near the top of the case. Now, what that does is it prevents normal rainstorm. Right. Normal splash. Driving on a wet road is not going to get in there. Driving through water maybe two inches deep. If you're kind of judicious about it, it's probably not going to get in there. But if you're going through water a foot and a half deep, sure, you've got a surge. When the water hits that front bumper, it's going to surge down. Then it's going to surge up on the other side, and it's going to flow right over the top of that transmission, and it's going to go right into that vent. On most cars, the air intake is set fairly, fairly low, low because they're trying to take advantage of the cooler air they can duck from lower down to give more performance and stuff. We had one come in the other day. I forgot what it was. The brand it was an Infinity. It was Infinity. You're yeah. exactly right. It has yeah. two air intakes on it. Right. And on the left side, it sucked a good bit of water. We took the air filter out. It was full of water. Just uh-huh. soaked. Went in, and the air flow meter and the throttle body on that side was not responding. It was erratic because okay. it had been underwater. Right. And fortunately, the other side did not go underwater, so it wasn't as catastrophic as it could have been. Well, it didn't ingest any water into the intake it, as far as into the engine. Right. It got up to the airflow meter, and it got up to the throttle body, but it didn't suck it into the engine, so there was no damage. And he called his insurance company. First thing we did, pull the plugs out, uh-huh. cranked it over, make sure there's no water, cleared all the cylinders, did a compression test. It looked okay. So we ended up replacing the airflow meter, the air filter, the throttle body, and went in and serviced the transmission and changed the oil. But again, all of that probably ended up costing twenty five hundred, three thousand bucks. Right. Just for driving through some Some high water. Yeah. And higher water. This water was maybe eight, nine inches deep. Uh huh. So 
and fortunately, it was a newer car. The guy had insurance. It covered. Of course, we had to pull all the carpeting and all right. out. He got inside the car. Shampoo all that, dry it out, disinfect it so that it didn't mold or mildew, and put it all back in. So, again, you walked out with a fairly significant ticket for doing something that a lot of people really wouldn't think twice about doing. Exactly. Although maybe they should. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, Craig, that is a very good suggestion. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people are not aware of that. And if you are going to do that, and I guess you just have to kind of pay attention to any noises, any changes in the vehicle, sure. and stay proactive as far as changing the wheel bearings and all that sort of thing. You could try servicing the differentials very frequently, but because oil has dispersants in it, if a little bit of water gets into it, it kind of absorbs it, but it also is going to cause it to start attacking that metal. And unless you want to send the oil out in the front and rear differentials for a analysis. analysis of some sort, they may be able to pick up on that. Or every time you go through the water, you just drain it and refill well, it. And some of your differentials are very easy to service. There's a drain plug on the bottom and a fill plug. You open, open them both, drain the fluid out, put the drain plug back in, fill it back up, put the fill plug back right. in. Right. Now, some of them are a lot more labor involved. Some of them you actually have to take the front cover, the cover off of it, right. drain it out, reseal the cover, put it back on, refill and it up. Unfortunately, and, some of them on your four-wheel drives on the front differential, there's something that runs across in front of that cover. Exactly. That's what I was just getting to. Some of them, you actually have to get the differential out of the vehicle to get the cover off to mm-hmm. get the fluid out. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot more labor-intense. Yeah, so probably not practical. And I guess if you just really, really, really want to do that kind of stuff, I, there are some modifications you could do to the vehicle that would make it better. I wouldn't assume they're going to really last because – Things like the wheel bearings and all, that's a design. Yeah, that's there, right. There's really that's, no way to change that unless somebody makes a part that's different, sealed differently or whatever. Certainly all the vent tubes and all need to be raised on the vehicle sure. to a higher point than what the what they are now. puts them at. And that's generally going to be unsightly and a little difficult to do. But well, I mean, on a, I on, it, on a pickup truck, it wouldn't be a big shouldn't be a big deal i mean you can kind of get to all those vents mm-hmm. a lot of your four-wheel drives actually vent the front differential around the engine compartment right up inside the engine compartment but the rear one only goes up to the frame rail right so you would have to make a modification there now as far as a car man i just wouldn't drive it through the high water yeah that, <laughs> i mean that just it's the, not worth it well a front-wheel drive vehicle once water gets in that front differential and particularly the types of transmissions we have nowadays if you got a CVT, it's largely non-rebuildable. Right. You're going to have to put a new transmission or another oh, transmission another into it. So you're going to be up in the $4,000 range Easily. just for that. Now, if water gets sucked in the engine, pop another seven to 10000 on top of that. Depending on the engine configuration and the model. Make. And then if it gets into the passenger's compartment and gets into the electronics, because yes. a lot of these cars... The modules, the computers and all are on the floor. Right. Underneath the carpet and underneath the padding. They started putting them under the seats, but now, like you said, they've gone to actually under the floor where your feet are now right. with some of those modules. And them being down that low, when the water gets to them, it's, it's so history. Your best bet is just to so stop where it. you're at. Don't go through it. Call a cab. Call a wrecker. Call something. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got to take our first quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Plan to motor west. 
Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that could lead to big, expensive problems down the road. An Agco general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. You just give us a call. We'll try to answer any questions you may have. It's 291-6901. And we were talking a little bit about Craig's question about uh-huh. driving vehicles the way they show on the t- commercials, on commercials and on stuff TV, on yeah. TV. And I guess, to summarize, probably best not to do that, Right. period. I mean, if you care about your vehicle, if you don't want to have a bunch of unnecessary repairs, as far as maintenance, certainly be mindful of what you're doing when you do it, mm-hmm. and you could possibly relocate some of the vent tubes where it's less likely to get water ingested in into the differentials or the transmission. And I would check the air filter each and every time sure. you do that and make sure it's not wet. If it is, replace it. And you know, and most of your vehicles today have, like you were saying earlier, have a low intake for the air to get mm-hmm. that cooler air in. There's also a water chamber on right. that system, and it is designed that if water does get in there, it goes into the chamber and the air goes across the top, but that chamber will fill up. Correct. And if it fills up faster than it can drain out, then the water is going to get ingested into the engine. Right. So it's it's just best not to do it at all if and you can help it. Ironically, a lot of the aftermarket stuff, and I'm not going to mention brand names, but there's companies that make different air intakes. And uh-huh. they, they promise everything on the sun, which they don't do any, any of that in my experience. and can cause a lot of other problems but those are generally not shielded nearly as well as no. the factory systems are. and a lot of them take the water chamber off correct the water chamber it goes away when you start using the aftermarket stuff in some applications mm-hmm. if you just gotta do it uh-huh and it's just in in your dna you just gotta put one of these aftermarket systems what i suggest and few people do is hold on to all the original equipment oh, stuff you're taking off. Definitely. Because what happens, they put these aftermarket intakes, being promised this, that, and the other, more power, more heart, more fuel uh-huh. mileage and all that. After not too long, they're going to figure out they're not going to get any of that stuff. They're going to bring it to me with a check engine light on. That's because the airflow meter's bad because they're all out of this air filter. has gotten in the mass airflow meter and took it out. Now they got a $600 repair bill on their hands. And they say, well, this is not too cool. Let's put it back the way it was. Well, But all the old stuff is gone already. Yeah. And that stuff is incredibly expensive to sure. buy. GM, Ford, Chrysler, Toyota sells that a piece at a time. And if you take that whole air box and all that off, you may have a twelve to $1,400 bill trying sure. to buy trying to put it each all of back. these little pieces. And not only that, but it's generally nobody stocks it. So right. it's kind of difficult to get your hands well, on. It's pieces that don't, normally they don't they require any maintenance. Right. Unless you take them off, throw them away. Exactly. <laughs> so if you just got to do it, you just got to try, and you're not going to listen to what anybody says. And I know when I was young, I was probably that way my own self. But 
Just be, be prepared. sure you hold on to every piece you take off because yep. one day you may want to be putting it back on there. Or if you get ready to sell the vehicle and the future owner wants it all. Well, and would be a when you go to trade the vehicle in and they look at it and say, this vehicle's been modified, we can't accept it for trade because we would be cited under the Clean Air Act. Now, now you got a vehicle that your car's worth you nothing because you, you can't, do yeah, they else can't take it in that condition. If they do take it, they're going to give you one tenth of what it's worth sure gentleman earlier last month was calling me and his son wants to put some big wheels and tires on the vehicle he wanted to know what the biggest one he could get on sure. there and we worked together and we came up with something that would fit on the vehicle but i warned him i said look be sure whatever you keep these old wheels and these old tires uh-huh because believe it or not they are better than the ones you're putting on there right a whole lot better than what you're putting on there now and once you know, something happens the car starts shaking you can't stop it and we need wheels and tires put back on there You'll you don't want to have to go buy all this stuff again. Right. You'll have them. You'll have them at least. So, you know, I understand about people. They get things in their mind. They get notions. They read these magazine articles that promise them the world. But what they don't realize, magazines are sold by advertisers. That, right. Advertisers are what makes that magazine possible. It's not the little 50 cents, 75 cents, $2 you pay for the magazine that pays for everything. It's those advertisers. Advertisers get their way. If they're selling a product, that's going to be the greatest thing in the world. Sure. They're not going to say anything bad about it. And, you know, that's because their income depends on that. They give it a glowing review. People go buy it. And I find, not to stereotype anybody, but young people are more impressionable than older people. Just because older people have been through the cycle well, a few times. they've got more experience. Yeah, they've been burned a few times. Sure. <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, I'd read those hot rod magazines. Oh, and yeah. Whatever they recommended, boy, I had that's to have it. That's what you had to have. Oh, I, I had the itch, <laughs> man. I had to have it. And spent thousands of dollars on junk that probably tore the car up and made it worse until I finally one day just clicked hey this this ain't getting anywhere very fast <laughs> yeah it kind of changed my way of thinking but what i'm telling you is stuff that i'm not just saying it's just to say it not to be right. mean and rain on your parade or anything i'm just telling you what from i know experience. from experience i've right. done i've been there done that and stop yourself from doing this so you decide to go ahead and do it just keep the old pieces keep the old pieces that way if you have to read put it back the way it was you'll have the parts to put back on it that's right and uh, that will save you a whole lot of money and a whole whole lot of grief yep Let's go to our phone. I've got Charlie online. Good morning, Charlie. How are y'all? Hey. I purchased a brand new 2018 Canyon last year, mm-hmm. GMC Canyon. Okay. Ran great. Just within the last few weeks, I've noticed when I accelerate, it feels like as if, you know, those rumble. Yes, ma'am. Grooves, yeah, mm-hmm. like a like, uh, garden like, road. Yeah. Yeah, you feel it, feels feel it like. about 35, 40 miles an hour? Yeah. Just and briefly and it goes away? Not really. It'll continue, you know. Uh, I just took a trip in it, mm-hmm. and it was all the way there, 800 miles there, and I yeah. all the way back. Charlotte, next time it does it, uh-huh. keep your foot on the accelerator okay. at the point where it's doing it, and just reach over and just touch the brake pedal. Okay. Don't apply the brakes. Just touch the brake pedal and see if it quits doing it. Okay. And most likely it will. GM uh, has had a huge, huge, huge problem with what they call torque converter shutter. And there's okay. the torque converter is a big part between the motor and transmission, and it's sort of like a big clutch. Because okay. when you come to a stop, the motor's still running, mm-hmm. and the car stops. So something has to slip, and that's the torque converter. Okay. And that allows you to sit there and idle without cutting the engine off. But when you're going down the road, if it continues to slip, it's going to eat gas mileage, it's going to cut performance and all that. So there's a little device inside of the torque converter called a clutch, and what it does, it locks. It's called lock-up. Okay. It comes in around 35, 40 miles an hour. Now, what uh-huh. GM's had a huge problem is what they call torque or lock-up shutter. Uh-huh. 
And that's most likely what you're talking about. They revised the fluid once or twice or three times trying to get rid of this problem. And I don't know if they've got it fixed or not yet. We see this all the time. The first thing you might want to try is to have the transmission serviced. That's where you change the fluid and filter and go to the latest and greatest fluid. And that clears it up most of the time. But you're going to have to service that one a lot more frequently than what you think. I think GM recommends like a 100,000-mile service interval. I can tell you, by 30,000, it's going to be shaking teeth out. Yeah, it started at about 20,000 right. miles, and, you know, like it's pretty yeah. bad. And it, it'll end up tearing the torque converter and all up. Now, if you're still under warranty, you may take that back to GM and complain about it and see if they'll do it for you for free. Yeah, they did. Uh, it is under warranty, mm-hmm. and uh, I just I hate to say I don't trust. Oh, I understand. I understand. <laughs> right. no. That's why I guess I wanted your opinion because I think you know what you're doing. Yes, ma'am. Well, uh, like I said, they revised the fluid, so you don't want to put the old Dextron 6 that was the original fluid. I think they went to a LV-type fluid, low-viscosity fluid, and now they've gone to a different LV fluid. So okay. be sure they, there's a service bulletin out for this problem. Make sure they read the service bulletins and all, and they know. And, and if he says, oh, yeah, we've got some revised fluid that should help with that, well, you're probably in the right place. All right. If, if, if they don't mention that, then I'd be a little more nervous. They're going to probably look at me like, wow, she did some stuff up there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, I'll ma'am. Really appreciate it. Y'all have a great weekend. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. You know, Josh was telling me the other day, they just, he recently got came back from a class. Right. And he says they are just having a tremendous amount, amount of, trouble of trouble with yeah. that shutter. And revising the fluid is the cheapest, fastest, easiest way. I mean, other than that, you have to redesign the car. Mm-hmm. And they're not likely to do that. You know, well, if they can fix it with a fluid, then, like you said, it's, it's yeah. not they too big a deal. They also are going to a flash update, I think, where they're preventing it from going into lockup under certain, certain conditions, conditions and stuff to yeah. try to make it better. So they're working at that problem, and that's going to kind of lead us into our next topic, which is there was an article earlier this week, I think, a gentleman had written somewhere out there, and I got two email on it. Okay. And... They were talking about the amount of data that a car collects, which is a sizable amount. Right. And they also were talking about how the manufacturers, and in the writer's opinion, is trying to get rid of the independent repair shops. Hmm. Okay. And we've got kind of an opinion on that as right. well. So we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Take another quick little break. Be right back with more. So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. <laughs> not you, Denise. You're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car to Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, but the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. 
Welcome back to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alderslan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States. Hey, we sure appreciate it when you do. Appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. We were uh, talking also, I got a couple of emails this week about folks and I'm sorry I don't have the name of the article, but I think it was the New York Times okay. wrote an article about how much data your car collects and who does that data belong to. And that's kind of the first part of the question. I've got to say that most of the data that your car collects is going to be after the fact. Currently, it doesn't have information that is sending to somebody and they're watching and uh-huh. keeping track of how you drive, but they do have data that would allow them – in an accident to go back and kind of reconstruct a lot of things kind of like a black box in an airplane more or less yes it's not what i would consider an invasion of privacy in that it's not being monitored constantly although these little things you plug into your obd2 connector the insurance company may possibly be i just don't think it's as big a threat there are other probably bigger threats to our privacy than that Mm -hmm. but it does collect data such as if you're involved in a collision it's going to note the speed you were driving, when you applied the brakes in relationship to the collision, uh-huh. the speed of deceleration, all that sort of thing, and that's all stored in the airbag module. And the reason being, people you say, well, my accelerator stuck. Uh-huh. Well, now they can go in, pull this up, and say, no, no, you were not touching the brakes. You had the accelerator at 80% when this occurred. Right. Because people panic, and they mash the gas, thinking they're mashing the brake, and I guess just to protect themselves, they're going to record this data. Data now has gotten so inexpensive to keep keep, and maintain all that, that it's just there for them, so they do it. Cars also, when a check engine light comes on, it does a freeze frame. Mm -hmm. If the vehicle is overheated, it's going to know that. And several, several, several other things, it's going to maintain that information. And this could conceivably be used against you in a fraudulent warranty claim. Because Uh if you go in there and say, hey, I never overheated my car. They're going to pull that out of them and say, oh, yeah, you did. Right. <laughs> and that's going to void your warranty when that head gasket's blown. And I guess rightly so because you did abuse the car. You mm-hmm. were, It's your responsibility, and I know it's inconvenient, and I know all, all the stuff about stopping your car when it, something happens, but that's just life. You right. know, life is unfair. Life is inconvenient a lot of times. When the car overheats, you have to stop it. Sure. You do have to check the oil level. You know, even though in a perfect world, cars would never use oil and you could drive 10,000 miles, it would still be full. In the real world that we live in, cars do use oil. Yes, they do. And, and a, a fast, fair amount. Fair amount on most of the newer right. stuff. And if you're pushing it out long intervals and you don't check it in between and you, you could, burn the engine you up. You could theoretically run it out of oil. Oh, we get cars in, I would say, at least once a week, no oil showing on dipstick. Oh, yeah. Sometimes check engine lights on. Sometimes it's running bad because of variable cam timing and all runs off oil. But... You know, these are the responsibilities of driving a car. Sure. And nowadays, it is going to record this data. And so when you go in, you're not going to be able to bull your way through it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, somebody's going to know. So let's go back to our final lines. we got JR online. Good morning, JR. Hey, good morning. Good yes, morning. Sir. I have a quick question. You bet. I have a F-250 2015, mm-hmm. the diesel. Mm-hmm. And I'm the transmission is hitting hard when it's changing from third to fourth gear. Okay. But more so, actually, from second to third gear, then it's kind of slipping into fourth gear. Mm-hmm. But my problem is, of course, the warranty is out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have 89,000 miles on it. 
But I've been getting prices from three thousand to twelve thousand. Correct. To, Correct. I can even touch it. Three thousand is probably too low, and twelve thousand is probably way too high. Jr., what you need to do is find someone. Where are you calling from? First off, Baton Rouge. Are you in the Baton Rouge area? Okay. Well, yes. find a shop that you can trust. Have them go in. First off, pull the codes and see what codes are stored in the transmission module, because that'll give you an idea. Secondarily, you want them to do a pressure test. That's where they can test the pressure that's applying the clutches and see what's going on. In rare instances, you can go in and make some changes and repair it and at a lower cost. Okay. Many times, the transmission is going to have to be either rebuilt or replaced, because what's normally happening is that it's slipping internally. The two sensors are diagnosing this slip, and so they're raising the pressure to try to prevent the slippage. That's what's going to give you that hard bang. If you okay. continue to drive it, it's going to break the case. And when that happens, now you have no... Then it's a new transmission. Yeah, a new got. transmission because you don't have anything to rebuild and you don't have anything to trade in as far as a core charge. So you okay. need to act sooner and not later. There is a possibility we could go in and have it could possibly have a bad sensor. So it's reading a slip when it doesn't actually exist. It could have a solenoid that's hanging up and putting pressure where it shouldn't. These are the things a pressure test should tell you. Now, the absolute last thing in this world you ever want, and that's somebody that says, well, we're going to take it apart and tell you what's wrong. Because once right. they take it apart, all diagnosis ends at that point, And right. you are going to get a transmission then. So you got to make sure you're dealing with the right guy. You want somebody who's honest, who's, going to t- who's competent, who can go in and diagnose the problem, see if a repair is feasible. If a repair is not feasible, then a replacement. And being what it is, you know, a, a diesel truck and all that, it's going to be more expensive than, and it's probably a six-speed or an eight-speed. It's going to be more expensive than what you would think, like the old three-speeds used to be. But obviously, if it can be fixed, that's good. If it can't be fixed, you want a reasonable price on replacement. Okay, do you have any suggestion? It is a six-speed, but, I mean, I mean, it's, it's really hard because how often do you go to transmission shops? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I'm a recommend myself because we do that kind of work but you know you check around i mean go on google see the reviews that each shop has go to our website and you can read there's several articles in there about transmissions get a feel for the way we do business and if you choose us i'd be glad to do it for you but again there are a number of shops i would stay away from dealerships as a general rule because they normally are going to just replace and i would stay away from franchises just because in my experience sometimes they tend to have more of a sales mentality and repair mentality but that's not to say any one particular shop is good or bad. But do a little bit of research and then just choose somebody you think is going to treat you fair and you'll end up with a good repair at a reasonable price. Okay, well, I miss where you were located. I missed that portion. So yeah, where, it's, where it's Agco located? Automotive is our shop. And just go to our website. It's agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. And all the information you'd ever want to know about us right there. Okay, I appreciate it. Okay, JR, thanks, man. Thanks. Bye-bye. I see we can go ahead and maybe take our third little break, knock right. it out of the way so we can get it out of the way, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodrich. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate, and if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues, uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your 
vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! That little bitch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm Lewis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech, right here with me. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291 6901. And you use the area code Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. Sure wish you would. Still got some time. That's right. We were talking about the data and stuff that a car collects. And, again, in my opinion, it's sort of overblown. And they could probably die, they could probably download this data if they cared to. Mm-hmm. But they really don't have a emphasis a need. to do it. It's sort of like a security camera. It's more after the fact. It's valued. It's mm-hmm. not like somebody's going to sit there and watch this frame after frame after frame for hundreds and hundreds of hours to see what everybody's doing. Right. Just not very likely it's going to be abused in that way. But if someone does break in or there is a assault or whatever, you can review the footage and kind of recreate what happened so that it is as big an invasion of privacy as you might assume. But it is sort of a after-the-fact way, hey, this is what this is what actually happened. Actually happened yeah. Instead of he said, she said. Same thing with your car. Be aware that it does collect a bunch of data, and that can be used against you in a fraudulent insurance claim. Now, the other side of the coin is it can help you it could. in a legitimate insurance claim. It could. Or not insurance, a warranty claim. And I don't believe that car is collecting as much information as the insurance company is with that little dongle that goes into right. the OBD connector. Right. But, I mean, if the accelerator did stick, and you did apply the brakes, couldn't stop the car, it's going to document gonna that as that. well. So it works either way. It's just a way of getting at the truth. Uh-huh. And I don't know, I was always taught as a kid, an honest man has nothing to fear from the truth. But, you know. Today's day is what it is, right? <laughs> Who knows, huh? Who knows? Let's go back to our phone. I've got Paul online. Good morning, Paul. Hey, Lewis. Yes, sir. Look, i got a 2004 Duramax diesel uh, engine. Okay. And I tried to crank it up this morning. It always runs great. And it just not running. Okay, won't start? Yes, sir. It turns over but will not start. Any number of things that can cause that. There's a part in there I know that we used to change. It's the injection control module. Those used to go out sometimes. It's possible the fuse going to it could have gone out. Something like the lift pump in the tank can go out. So without having more information, you're basically just guessing. And, Paul, every one of those guesses is probably a $1,000 guess. So you're going to have to get this to somebody who can diagnose it for you. And when I say diagnose, I'm not talking about a parts store plugging a little thing into it and and giving you a code. You need someone who can do a fuel pressure test, someone who can do, you know, see what's going on, whether it's getting the command to the injectors, all that sort of thing. And because all that stuff's electronics and it's a bunch of electrons flowing through a wire, there's no way to look at it and tell like in the old days. You you could take the distributor cap off and look at the points and see them firing. Well, you don't have any of that. so. I think you go. The cheapest thing you're gonna do is find a good diesel shop and just tow it over there and have them tell you what's wrong with it because it's not gonna be anything real simple, particularly on a diesel. Just because it's, it's, everything on there is pretty much start with a, a fuel pressure test, but again, unless you got the stuff to do it, 
and go and buy the stuff would cost more than towing it to a shop and having him check it for you. And you're probably right. never going to use it again. Well, tell me, why, why would the fuel pump, I mean, you know, all the gauges come on, but they don't come on. But it's showing low fuel, and I don't put 10 gallons of diesel in there, mm-hmm. and it still won't crank. Yeah, well, well again, that's, may one, that's one thing. may not be a fuel problem, or it could be. I mean, fuel pumps are just like people. They just, they're healthy, they're out there running, they're playing, and bam, next day they did. You know, for no, no apparent, apparent reason. reason. It just right. that, That's when it happened. Same thing with this. How many miles you got on the truck? About 187. Well, I mean, it went 187,000 yeah. miles. Everything dies at some point. And I'm not saying that's it. You know, it could be, the, right. like I said, the inject control modules. It could be all kinds of things. It could be one of the sensors. I mean, there's any number of things a truck has to have to run. But and it's the, not getting that. The that's point why it's is, not yeah, the point is, there's no way for you at home to look under the hood and see any of these things. Now, right. can you change the fuel pump? Yeah, you sure can. But suppose you do that and it's not it. Now, you just threw away, you know, probably two, two days' work and, and four or $500 right. of parts. Can you change Please, the fuel I've, injection? I've that. Yeah, can you change the injector control module? Sure, but that's probably a $800 part, and it's got to be programmed. I mean, it's just gotten to a point where it's not practical unless you want to get into the auto repair business to buy all the stuff you'd have to have to new, service new, this new, thing. New. Yeah, it's just going to be cheaper to just pay somebody to do it you know i got a couple of rotten boards at my house and do i have tools to do it yeah do i have time to do it no do i have desire to do it no i called a carpenter (laughs) it's just sometimes it's cheaper to get a pro to do it because it's gonna be faster cheaper he's gonna come right to the problem and you can run out of money before you run out of guesses yep all right look like look like y'all looking at a 2004 diesel uh tuesday morning (laughs) yeah now i don't do diesel so you have to find somebody that does diesel work so, I'm glad you told me. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't do diesel. I had a diesel guy at one time, and he left, and I just never have been able to replace him. But there's three or four shops in town that do. All right, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, right. JR, thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye. alright one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. You know, we get into that a lot. Our, some of our customers have diesel vehicles. Right. We just don't have the uh, right. the guy to work on a diesel Well, I just right don't have personnel, and really, we are strapped so thin doing the things we do we stay so busy diesel work is a good line of work it's just not the line of work we're in right and to buy all of the tooling and do all the training and just to find the guy with the skills it's not that we haven't tried because i have yeah most of the guys who are good at any given field already have a job and they're happy with their job they're happy with a job most of them it's not like the old days where people really job hop around in the automotive business a whole lot they generally have a job and uh, they like it they so like they stay it. i remember the last time in fact the guy we had doing diesel work referred a fellow to us uh-huh. supposed to be really good he came in we interviewed him and he said yeah man it sounds like a great company and you know I, i'd like to take the job right he goes back to turn his uh, resignation to the company he was with and, and they basically gave yeah. a huge raise what, 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 whatever he wanted to stay yeah so i mean that was you know that's the way and i wasn't getting a bidding contest no. with the guy i said hey you've already been there for 10 years right you're established well, yeah exactly you're established like there. He wants, wants you there so but just kind of the way it goes so yep. let's go back to our phone i've got david online good morning david hey good morning guys i've got a 2012 nissan frontier uh-huh. uh 4.0 and i'm curious to know how often or when should i go ahead and have the transmission gone through to my knowledge the vehicle never had any kind of transmission work. Right. I'm not having any problems with it, but I just want to make sure that, that I don't 
you know, that down the road it doesn't go out on. Automatic yes, or, yeah. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't recommend going through it, but I would do a service on it. I like to do a service on those vehicles about every 50,000 miles, and I'm sure you're way past that now, but it's never too late. That's what it would drop the pan you know, take the filter out, cut the old filter over, make sure there's no metal or debris inside the filter. Do the things they can do to change the fluid and filter. And that's about as far as you can go as far as preventive. And that's not terribly expensive. So I would want somebody who is professional to do that because they can spot stuff that you may not be able to see yourself. But, yeah, I would like to have done that at 50,000 miles. But, again, if you got got 100 now, it's not too little, too late. Just time to do it. Gotcha. Now, is that something you guys can do at yes, your shop? Yes, yes, sir. Certainly do. I'll see you next week. Sounds great. <laughs> okay, thanks, man. Hi, right, we've got John online. Good morning, John. Good morning. It's funny yes. that guy called because I got a similar question that's going to force him into your shop. Okay. <laughs> my, my son has got an 08 Xterra uh-huh. with a six-cylinder automatic transmission. It's got 160,000 miles on it. And the transmission this week just went south okay i haven't looked at it i don't know what's wrong with it Mm -hmm. i know there's potential issues with coolant mixing with radiator fluid and so forth and so on yeah i don't think that pertains to the xterra oh really no i don't believe i think go on my my website and just type in nissan transmission as an article it lists all the vehicles that were involved with that i thought that was more on the frontiers and stuff although i might be wrong about that it's been a while since i wrote that article but go in there and that'll tell you which vehicles are in there yeah if that's the case then you're gonna have to replace the radiator and the transmission, transmission. I, okay my, my question is is this is that we're at the point of what are we going to do with this vehicle mm-hmm. and so it's it, the, now the money's on his back uh-huh. okay and again the truck's got 160,000 miles on it there's a few little things wrong with it if it was you would you put money into a new transmission on this vehicle or would you set it aside and replace it what I would do is I would have a general inspection done on the vehicle first off because that will yeah. tell you exactly where you stand. If in other words, if you bring it in, we do a general inspection, and I say, hey, John, man, the brakes are almost metal on metal. The tires are thin. The air conditioner is leaking in three different places. The rear yeah. differential is leaking. No, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's time to bail. But if we check okay. the vehicle and say, look, you got a really good vehicle here. Everything else looks good. It just needs a transmission. I mean, you could put a transmission radiator a whole lot cheaper than you can buy another vehicle. And 160,000 okay, miles, that thing could go to 250 fairly easy if it's been halfway taken care of. Okay, worst, what is worst case in uh, on the transmission and the radiator? It just goes, it, it's going to really depend. Four to five grand somewhere, probably. Ooh, okay. Maybe less. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, then. All right. Well, we got to figure out what he's going to do. He there needs for boot camp. In three days. So. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Well, he's got some time then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, guys. Y'all have a good holiday. All right, All right, right Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, All right. I think we're just about out of time. I wanted to clear up a couple more things before we go out. All right. And the second part of the question was that the manufacturers are somehow trying to put the independent repair shops out of business. Right. And I don't think they are so much targeting independent repair shops. Manufacturers have, for a long time, just targeted the repair industry period yeah all together the last thing they want you know they say well gm wants to push the work back to their dealer gm is not interested (laughs) in repair work at all they want to sell you another vehicle they want to sell a new vehicle that's right and if they could eliminate repair as an option that would be exactly what they want to do and to a lot of people that is the way to go kind of like our last caller if the vehicle is going to cost more repair than it's worth then that's the way to go 
However, in many, many, many cases, it is very practical. It's a very much lower cost option sure. to repair a vehicle than to replace a vehicle. So through a number of things they're doing, they're trying to eliminate that as a possibility. But I don't think it's so much targeting one particular sector of the industry. If you face it, the automotive business, would, automotive repair business would not exist at all except that the car companies can't make a decent vehicle. Exactly. They can make a, a great vehicle that would last forever. Yeah. Then, then there would, there would be, be no, no need for a repair industry. And But then there again, the on the case. other hand, they wouldn't sell another vehicle. See, so what they want to do, they want to build a car that will fail because they want you to buy another car. But they want it to fail at a point where you're in the process of made me thinking of well, getting you got enough money to buy another one <laughs> yeah so it has to last at least as long as the notes last but then after that they would really just assume you throw this car away exactly and i mean the secondary thing they'd want to get rid of would be the used car business but again that's a whole nother story for another day i yeah. see we're just about out of time we're gonna start getting ready to wind it on up get on out of here I'd like to thank our podcasters for listening this week and every week tell your friends and go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service find a written view and fill it out for us there you go move us up in ranking so more people can listen and we sure appreciate it next week we're gonna have Stephen cook on the show he's written a book about OB- obd2 diagnosis that's real good and we're gonna give away some free books if you're listening great a preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend